the reward of seeing other people who either already run wild or what I've noticed is that the people that work for lately already run wild or they came from somewhere and they were all over like I was. And they're so liberated to know that they can be in a workplace where they're not having a panic attack because they're waking up going to a job every day. I'm Brian Kramer. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is making smaller shifts. It's the small shifts in our lives that can create epic outcomes. Your journey to be more deeply connected into the life you truly deserve starts right now. Welcome to Humanly Possible, a podcast focused on small shifts that can make an epic difference in our lives and at work. And I get to introduce someone who I not only admire and am honored to have on the show, but man, can we bust a gut when we get together and have so much fun and cry and then laugh and then cry and then laugh and then cry and then laugh again. This is one of my favorite people in the world, Kate Bradley Chernis. She's the founder and CEO of Lately, the only social media platform that creates content for you with the power of AI. And I am not only a customer, I'm also a client. No, that's not how that works. Um, as a former marketing agency owner, Kate initially created the idea for Lately out of spreadsheets for then client Walmart this little company uh, you may have heard of and got them 130% ROI for year over year for three years. But prior to founding lately, she served 20 million listeners as a music director and on-air host as, as at Sirius XM. She's also an award-winning radio producer, engineer, voice talent, 25 years of national broadcast communications, brand building, sales and marketing expertise, so you can rest medicine. The list goes on and I'm not gonna read it all, but that's the exciting part about her. But when you actually hear her, then you're gonna learn so many things. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for being here, my friend. Thank you so much. I'm I'm already deciding if I should cry or laugh from that intro because of the way you delivered it and also because I'm always surprised that that's me. <laughs> <laughs> this is the laugh part. Now let's get into the cry. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we do. We always have so much fun. And um, in fact, we were trying to even record this and we just were talking talk, talk, and laugh, laugh, laugh. And it was so much fun that we finally just decided, let's just hit record and do this. It's because you make it so easy to get to the, the meat, right? Like you're, you've got that, that access is, is open, you know? And yeah, it's a, it's, that's a gift, by the way, that a lot of people don't have, um, which is simply put as reading the room, right? And it's, it's it's interesting to me because in COVID times, we've all had to read different kinds of rooms, right? And, you know, for me, I had that experience of, uh, sorry, I'm just taking your show in this direction. No, I love <laughs> I this. This is what we do. Let's, let's please. Yes. I was, you know, I had the experience of reading a room of no one, right? Talking to an empty box to 20 million people for years. And I was talking to someone about this today. And they were asking, like, how could, how can you read a room when no one's around? And it's a great question. And the answer is almost the same as when you're in a you've been on stage a million times. There is a palpable energy that comes through the waves of the air, 
right? You can feel it. You can feel when you're in the zone and you got it. And you can feel when you're, when you're tripping all over the place, you know, there's just something about that. Um, and I love that. That's, that's the, you can't describe it. It's a visceral something, right? It's why, by the way, I was so pissed because um, the last accelerator, uh, startup accelerator that we were in, which is kind of like camp for startup people, um, they switched from being in person. They were the first one to be to be in person to everywhere. And I was like, damn it, because I, this is where I, I succeed. You know, like on stage, I actually get very, very nervous, Brian. And I'm, I'm very good on stage, but I have to practice quite a lot. And um, it's because I don't, I don't own that space. Um, the space where I'm in a dark room and it's a microphone, it's mine. You know what I mean? But when I'm on stage, that's your stage. It's the host stage, who, whoever it is. And um, it's just a different kind of mindset, I guess. But um, I was thinking a lot about how, especially all the podcasters now, it's something that people, they're, they're, it doesn't come naturally reading, reading the room, right? Um, yeah, there's an energy there um, around it, and it's not just the two of us. There's an there's a, an audience that isn't here yet, but they're going to be here, and we're trying to read read them. And, yeah, uh, and know and to know when them. you're when you're boring. Sorry, interrupt you. To know when you're boring, you know, like so. I was about to get to boring, and and that's why I stopped talking. <laughs> you're reading the room. Yeah, um, we see. This is us. So you're listening now to Kate and I in our general, like, this is what we do. And I love it. Like if we were in the same backyard, we'd probably be, although we haven't done this yet, but we'd probably be smoking cigars and talking for nine, nine hours straight. Um, so that's why I have to, uh, um, take this right back in and ask you, cause I want to dive right in and ask you this question, which is what's one thing that felt small to you at the time but ended up being a big shift for you in in your life. Um, so I've got two things actually, uh, and I was only going to choose one, but I'm going to choose both of them. So, so the first one is is silence. Actually, my one of the best pieces of advice I ever got from one of my first radio coaches and mentors, Steve Zind, was um, that silence is so powerful on the air and in general and to use it that it's a tool that you can wield right at what point do i break the silence yeah so good job by the way i'm i usually out out outrun other people or outstare them um but it is really powerful because what it, it makes people lean forward right and so you think about sound and audio obviously but what does sound look like on uh excuse me silence what does silence look like on paper which is where we live a lot as marketers, you know, you're, you as, you know, former massive marketing career, the writing, like that's where my world is. Um, and, and I think about the, you know, it's like an art, you know, the space on the page, right? The, the white space, that kind of idea. And, and does it need to be filled or, or, or doesn't it? Um, so the other thing, and I, I think these are parallel things. I'm not sure how, but we're going to unpack it. <laughs> was my mom, who we were just talking about also, um, always let, always trusted us um, at school when we would come home and say, this 
teacher is an a-hole and just doesn't value me or respect me or whatever words we used when we were second and third graders. But she always respected that. And she let me move classes um, whenever I felt like I wasn't, you know, you have teachers who are just babysitting you or there's no gel there. Um, and I was a very annoying student. I'm, I'm always, um, I always needed to be a part, a part of class participation. I was like really into it. <laughs> Couldn't shut me up. Surprise. Um, and, and I needed that. Otherwise I'd be bored. And I remember we, I had one. We would have been separated. Yeah, totally. <laughs> We'd pass some notes, I'm sure. <laughs> right. Remember those? Yeah. Oh my God. I would have been sent home. With, <laughs> if we were in the same class, I could just see it right now. I remember. So the one bummer about no more lead pencils is that like you got to use shaving cream to, do you ever do that to wash your desk in school? No. So they would. It was the best. It was like once a month, bring a can of shaving cream and you got to pour it all over your desk and, you know, rub it around and get messy. And it would somehow wipe the lead of all the pencil marks off your desk. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. I've never heard that. <laughs> it was so fun. Um, and, and by the way, that's when I really started to be, to be aware of underprivileged children because they would ask sometimes other people to bring in uh, extra cans of shaving cream because not everybody had one, you know, just interesting to think about yeah. that. Um, but anyways, so the fact that my mom did that was so powerful because, and I didn't realize it then, of course, you know, and I, I didn't even realize how much it contributed to my education because I, I really liked school and I really liked all the teachers I eventually got actually. And many of them I kept in touch with for years later and some of them still even um but that validation she gave me i've learned now more than ever especially these past seven years as lately um how important is to is to believe someone when they are telling you something is wrong right um because whether it's me too, or discrimination, or a child, obviously, not being believed is gaslighting. And I didn't have those words for my whole life until recently, obviously. And I take um, a lot of pride, Brian, now <laughs> in calling it out. And I don't care if people think I'm a bitch because of it. Um, and I want to give you an example. So, um, so I was with Lauren, my right-hand woman. We were on a call with an investor. I don't know if I told you this. And it was an investor that had uh, was a warm introduction. So it was someone that I already kind of trusted. You know, it came from someone I knew. And we get on the call and it's immediately weird. Uh, he's immediately in a bedroom on a bed. You know, and that's just even... This is before COVID granted, but like, that's just kind of weird. And his wife was walking by and he talked about his wife a, a few times and... It was unclear what kind of investment he did, and and but I didn't. You now I know to always find that out beforehand. But like this again, it came from someone I trusted, so it wasn't this thing. So I'm trying to get to the meat of the matter, and I'm asking up front. And this is important, by the way, for those of you who don't know in startup land, that there's um, keywords that investors can tell you, and it tells you whatever they tell you, then can t direct the conversation about how much they invest, what their parameters are, what kind of um, outcomes they're looking for, all the things, right? So they they trickle your answers. 
And so I'm trying to find this out and he's being very vague. And so, he, so I'm like, so what, so what are you up to, man? So he's like, oh, he's telling me some, some investments he's doing. He's like, oh, this latest thing I'm doing. And he pulls up uh, a weird, um, this is a long story, sorry. He, he pulls up um, this Amazon page of this drinking accompaniment tool where it's like a little shape of a lime and it's plastic and you stick a lime in the lime and you squeeze it and there's a funnel and you stick it in your beer. Okay. So I think this is stupid because why not just squeeze the damn lime in the beer? <laughs> and Lauren is like, whatever is going on here? I don't even know. And then he's like, yeah, amazingly enough, women are our biggest customers. And we're like, oh, cool. That's great. We're just trying to kiss a little bit. And so um, he, he's then like, yeah, because of this product. And then he goes to another site and suddenly there are, can, can I say this? There are penises, cartoon penises all over the screen. And one of them is a plastic one with a funnel down into the beer can and you squeeze the lime and the lime is like the thing that would come out of a penis, right? And he's showing this. And I am curious and mortified at the same time. And all I have the wherewithal in this moment is to, I, I slack Lauren and I, I said, I'm going to get you off this call, get off the call. The only thing I can think is get her out of this, you know? And so she makes up an emergency reason and, and leaves the call. And then I man, I stay on for an hour. I can't even get off this call. And and he wants to advise me as like annoying, annoying people do who want, are wasting your time. And I'm like stunned and I'm annoyed and, and whatever. And I, and I get off the call um, and I think I'm mad at myself, Brian, <laughs> because I didn't stand up for myself in that moment. This is my thoughts running through my head. And I thought about it for like a day. And then I emailed... Um, my my Slack channel, everybody in the general thing. And I said, you know, this is for everybody on the team, but especially the women, this is what happened to me. And I want you to know that in the moment of these things, it's okay not to know what to do. The important thing is to recognize it at all, even afterwards, and then to tell somebody about it, right? Because you always hear women, people like dinging women or other people or anybody like, well, she must have wanted it because in the moment she didn't say no, right? And that's not the case. And so anyways, I, I was thinking about that just by, um, I was like, just by having Lauren there with me, <laughs> It was so validating because I was instantly believed and because you wouldn't, you couldn't believe this. Do you know what I mean? Like you can't believe it's real and it's super real. <laughs> yeah. You know, what I love about that is um, going back to uh, that moment that that shift happened uh, for you about your mom and her knowing and believing when you didn't have a voice and now uh, moving into this situation where you you do have a voice, but um, the voice was showed up in a different way than you expected it. The voice was to get Lauren off the call um, and protect. And so you protected her just like your mom protected you. That's the way that it, the voice showed up, which was really cool. It wasn't how did you show up for you? It was how did you show up for another person? So that that's really neat the way that that happened. Uh, at least that's how it landed for me when you just told the story. Thank um, you. And um, and I I I I love how you kind of show up um, in business, and I'm wondering how that how these kinds of things like because you were in the radio business for a long time, and that that could have been or at least I, I would imagine the radio business was also kind of a 
an interesting land of people and situations. And you probably loved it on one end, but at the same time, it probably brought up a lot of fun and interesting scenarios. How do you work your way through and work your way up in that area? You're right. Of course. I mean, I so I have a penchant for um, someone recently called it the land of the lawless. Because <laughs> startup life, you know, you're writing your own rules and and radio, super lawless. Um, I was a line cook um, previously. So another everything Tony Bourdain has ever written is 100% true. I've lived it. Um, but but in radio, I mean, it's so that's part of the beauty of it. But the tough thing was, um, and I don't mean to be on a me too bent here, but but um, it was <laughs> sexual harassment galore, you know. And and I don't have a face for radio, lucky me. So I got it kind of extra. Um, and there's not a lot of women in radio, anyways. But the crazy thing, Brian, was I participated in the sexual harassment because it was normal. I thought it was normal, right? It was you got rewarded, you got high fived for it, you know. And again, we didn't have any of the terminology that, that we have these days. And one of those things was hostile work environment. And I didn't understand that people were actually using the sexual harassment against me. So I was, I excelled at what I did and I would get squashed. Be, I wasn't validated, <laughs> right? I didn't get the credit I was for. And, and um, you can see, I have this like thing about that. And it was so frustrating to me. Um, how, what is the irony? I'm just realizing this as you're saying this. Like here I am broadcasting to 20 million listeners a day at XM. I, I have I have a voice, but I don't have a voice. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did you come to? Did you did you shift that? Was there any? Did you come to terms with that at some point? Yeah. Um, so and, and by the way, I was I was another moment I was thinking about when you're thinking when you asked me a small moment that turned out big was my, my boss used to come up behind me when I was sitting at my desk and standing behind me and push my chair into my desk while he was talking to me. So I, I couldn't sh- turn around and, and look at him. And so it was this weird thing because I was like stuck, but then also I, it would be as though I was purposefully disrespecting him because <laughs> I couldn't look him in the eye while he was talking to me. And that, that's something I think about all the time, by the way, it's, it's just a thing that haunts me. Um, but the, the environment and, and wave your hand. Uh, everyone who who has had this happen to them, I know there's a lot of you. Um, my body started to yell at me because it started to react uh, to the environment, the toxic environment. And so I had a series of bizarre ailments. I had a um, I had a rash on my torso that was unexplainable for like a year. I fell down the stairs at work, tore a ligament. It kept re-injuring. So I was on crutches or a wheelchair for like a year and a half. Um, and then my my hands started not to work. I I, um, I have epicondylitis and tendonitis, which means you can't type at all without excruciating pain to this day. And this is in um, 2006, Brian. So, you know, we didn't have cell phones. <laughs> I mean, there were flip phones and um, the MySpace was still around. It's, you know, Siri didn't exist yet. And, and I was terrified. And, and again, no one believed me because I looked normal. I had hands, right? And so XM wouldn't help me. So I hired an intern myself because they wouldn't pay for it. And so I had somebody typing for me all day, right? 
And then I, I heard, I learned about um, this woman took me to the Pentagon and she showed me all this new advanced technology that people who are paraplegics were using with computers. I'm not kidding, right? So like one of them, by the way, was we called it the bindi. It, it was a red dot that you would put on your forehead to, to use a mouse. Can you imagine? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was like my best option, by the way. Um, and... Anyways, I discovered Dragon Naturally Speaking, which is now the um, the fuel behind Siri. Um, but at the time, this was all new. And it's voice-activated software, so you talk to your computer, which is what I use now. And my body was screaming at me. It was saying, get out, get out, alarm, alert, alert. And I, I continued not to listen until I was incapacitated. <laughs> right? Um, so... Then I listened, um, but it wasn't quite wasn't quite done yet because then I um, I moved to a different music related company and it was the same thing group of boys club sexual harassment they I mean I remember they hired they told me that they hired me because they wanted my musical taste you know I mean I was at the best job in the country and they asked me to listen to the entire library of their songs this is um, Pump Audio. It was a music. In, it was a, the largest independent music library in the world. Um, and I listened to all the songs, and I chose about forty that I said were worth it. And they didn't believe me. <laughs> They're like, "There has to be more songs." And I'm like, um, "Like I am like the best at this, <laughs> you know." Um, and I wasn't. I they thought I was wanted special treatment because I had to have my own office because my microphone hears everything. And you, you had to have a closed door, you know? So now I'm like a pain in the ass. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a miserable person, Brian. I, I smoked. I'm really good at smoking. You are a little smoke. bit of a pain in the ass. Let's, let's just be honest. <laughs> I am. I am, you know? <laughs> Who isn't, though? Who isn't? <laughs> Who isn't? <laughs> um, so I was smoking all the time and I was crying all the time. And I, I couldn't see the light. <laughs> I didn't know how, how I was going to get out of this. It, I didn't, I couldn't imagine, like, what was I going to go? I couldn't even go work at McDonald's because I can't run the cash register. You know, I can't, can't lift up a fry, a fry basket because my wrists hurt too much, you know? And um, my dad had it. I was ruining his weekend <laughs> with all my toxic BS and probably I'm assuming this. And he lovingly shook me by the shoulders and, said you can't work for other people and there's no shame in that wow that was it right there yeah that's the big moment that i knew was a big moment <laughs> yeah right? yeah but he, he keyed into and this is something else i want to touch base on for everybody listening is that he keyed into two things the obvious is like oh i can work for myself i didn't realize that but the other was the shame because I did feel shame. And this goes into what we know now about gaslighting is because all, my first instinct is to run it through all the things I've done wrong, right? Self-doubt, like, oh, I must have caused this. And every woman I know does this, and I'm sure other people do as well, but I find that it's a, a lot of women default to that. And so that was pretty impressive. I've been in a lot of therapy <laughs> since then of course but um yeah when you look back at all of this um 
I love that epiphany, by the way, the, 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 I've got, I can, I, I can work for myself and do this. And, and now I want to get into that. So I'm going to bookmark that for a second, because I want to come back to that. But um, when you say that you, um, you went through all that, but you landed in this place, now you can do, do all this stuff and, um, and, and have this greater impact. What would you say you, what was the outcome from all that? Where, where did you land from that? What did you learn well, the most important thing I learned at that time was that um, the fear of not knowing if I was going to have enough money was way exponentially less than the fear of working with a-holes, uh-huh. right? And I think my whole body like just changed, you know? Um, and that was a new, that was a big epiphany for me, right? Because, you know, those are natural worries. Like, can I pay the rent? you know? And I just knew that I could all, I would always be able to pay the rent. (laughs) You know, I would figure that out. There were worse things like the, you know, I went through my mind, what's the worst that could happen? I have to move in with my parents. That's not, I mean, certainly it's not the, that's really not that bad in the world of the things. Are you kidding me? A lot of people have it way worse, of course. Um, And then the other thing that turned out was that that I ended up learning later. Um, I knew it then, but I learned how valuable it was to to try to perceive others this way or or um, assemble others around me in this way, which is that I'm a wild horse, meaning uh, if you if you let me run, I'm going to win, you know. But if you tether me, I'm just going to fall over and die. And because I know that's how I work, it is how I manage others. I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, that means you have to have a lot of autonomous wild horses or lawlessness around you, right? And I pay for it all the time because I let people just run and do the thing. And then, you know, sometimes it's like sugar, honey, iced tea. Like I should (laughs) have, I got to go back and redo that or whatever it is. You know, you learn your lessons, but the, I would still do it though every time. I don't regret it at all. And the, because Brian, um, the, the reward of seeing other people who either already run wild or what I've noticed is that the people that work for lately already run wild or they came from somewhere and they were all over like I was. And they're so liberated to know that they can be in a workplace where they're not having a panic attack because they're waking up going to a job every day. You know, I, it it strikes me that you're helping to heal the business world and um, in what you're doing. And um, you can allow others through the the impact that that you can make to do that. And um, and it's so awesome to see you and hear you. Uh, doing that just just in your in your corner of the world, and then also to express that that anyone can do this at any company. And so, what would you say to to others uh, that are that have companies that w- want to want to give that kind of freedom? Thank to, you for to acknowledging to that. Do what you're doing. Yeah, you know, you just. You, you just made me realize something. So, so we're a very flat organization um, because of this. Um, and everything is very open. And I'll give you an example. Like all of our Slack channels, I forbid threads. 
um, because I want the bleed over. I, I need the empathy or sympathy from different departments. Remember, I worked in a kitchen, so I know waitrons versus kitchen staff, right? <laughs> and I chose that word waitrons purposely because that's what we called them. <laughs> and there's <laughs> the rivalry was sometimes fun, of course, but like there's a rivalry and I, I can't... There always is that between sales and customer service and customer service between engineering, right? Um, but this is one way that that we break down that barrier. And um, I've found it incredibly useful because the empathy slash sympathy is what, you know, makes us human. And and especially, you know, we've been um, a dispersed company since the very beginning. So COVID is nothing new for us. But that that human engagement that we do have, whether it's on Slack, which is like our water cooler, obviously, um, there are these these there are these beautiful moments like one day, I don't know what inspired it, but we all were sharing picture prom pictures. <laughs> <laughs> and we're old so like these are prom pictures you know from the 80s and um it was just so great uh, uh, so even you know when you see like an engineer who's supposed to be a person with a uh studio tan and <laughs> zero social skills <laughs> showing a great goofy picture of him is is amazing but but the thing that you you inspired me to think about was um you know people have always asked me Questions like, where do you see lately in five or 10 years? And usually it's an investor and they're looking for some specific answer. Like, do I want to sell it or do I want to IPO is what they're really asking. But for me, I've always thought... I've been looking at... uh, Well, the first thing I would do is try to imagine myself like other women I know in successful startups. And all of them are great but they all wear suits and they went to Harvard or Wharton. And I, you know, I, I went to Skidmore and I told you, I didn't wash my hair and wash my hair in about six days. It's disgusting. <laughs> and I don't even have a suit. I don't, I have one jacket that I wore in my, my picture with my fake glasses on LinkedIn and it's Dave, it's my husband's jacket. Right. Um, That's such but, a great picture though. <laughs> my, my smart ass picture. Um, but, but my, the, and so I had a hard time envisioning myself in that way. And it's because people have always also said to me, wait, just wait till you're managing a hundred people or a thousand. And I haven't been able to imagine that because I, I don't want, I don't want it to be that way. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to be on the top of the pyramid. <laughs> I, I want to be the, I want to be, I was a goalkeeper in college in high school. And I was the MVP actually. And the keeper is the best position. Like other people think that the cherry picker, the goal, the goal scorer is the best position, but the keeper, it's the reverse pyramid, right? The keeper sees the whole field. You're the boss. You're the secret boss, right? That's what I want. I want to be the, the fuel behind the engine. Not that, that's so, <laughs> that's so, yeah. And reverse engineering business and, and seeing the playing field and creating uh, the kind of company that you would want to be a part of is what, how it's all landing for me. And I, I think it's, um, it's amazing. And, 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 and eventually that kind of energy is what attracts uh, both the right customer, the right um, employees, the right, the right success. And, um, and I know it's going to, it's going to just completely blow up at the right time in the right place. What, um, when people um, want to know more about uh, lately, uh, especially people listening, what, how can they find you and what is lately? 
Yeah, it's such a hard question to answer, <laughs> which makes me crazy, right? The shoemaker has no shoes. I'm supposed to be this expert marketer. Um, um, so and really quickly before I answer that, I wanted to, you made me think of something that I wanted to share, which is um, the... On that note, the the my the best most powerful three words in the English language are, "This isn't working," and I've learned, not with with employees, with um, clients, with customers, with friends, anyone like in your organization. If you're not the wild horse, that's okay. We just have to be adults about it and say, "This isn't working." And once you say out loud, "This isn't working." All the doors open. Do you know? You ever notice that? Right, the weight lifts. Yeah, I I um I heard a saying once, which actually hit smacked me in the face that you you can't have one door open and one uh one door open um and one door or two doors open at the same time. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Right, because then you're you're teetering between you're caught between two worlds. Right. So. It's so metaphorical about lately. Oh my God, actually, because we're we're in this process of a pivot where we have two, one foot in each door <laughs> right now. Interestingly enough, God, I should call you. We should call each other more. <laughs> so, so good. <laughs> um, um, so so lately uses artificial intelligence to um, instantly examine any social channel you give it access to, and we look for the highest engaging content that you have. And we actually break down the words and keywords and sentence structures that you used when you were writing, whatever you wrote. We build a writing model based off that. And then when you feed the brain any long form content, like a video, just like this, we will instantly transcribe the video, look for all the quotes of the smart, wise things that Brian said today, for example, and pull up the matching video of him saying the quotes. So then he has dozens or even hundreds of ways to promote this show, right? Um, but the cool thing is that it's fueled by the neuroscience of what I learned in radio. Do you want to know how that works? Have I ever told you? I know we're wrapping up, but I'll share this thing. And this is important because and my other favorite phrase is it's always right in front of you. Meaning if you're wise, God, God willing, you are. <laughs> And you might have to have a few years behind you like we do to, to be wise, but all the zigzags are a straight line, right? And that's what you want to be able to do is to pull from the experience you have and, and use it for, for the now. So um, when you listen to a new song, your brain instantly accesses every other older song you've ever heard before. It's in a moment, right? And it's... Um, looking for familiar touch points so it knows where to index that new song in the memory of your brain so you get nostalgia and memory emotion all happening at the same time and what's amazing brian is that your voice like my voice it's a has a frequency it's a note like a song and when you write text when you read text when anyone reads text, you hear the voice who wrote it. So it's now your job, the author of that text, to make sure you're giving me the familiar touch points. So nostalgia, emotion. I have it, my right? own Fred Savage. For anyone that's not a millennial, go look it up. <laughs> there you go. Um, sorry for the tangent, but... but um, No, I love it. I love it. All connected, right? And, and so that, um, how does that connect into the AI or the... Yeah, so... I write like that. When I write, I'm thinking about all, 
I'm I'm thinking about the touch points, familiar touch points. This is about reading the room, right? So and you can re- you can find any social post I write, and there's at least five or six different access points to what it is I'm talking about. Sometimes I say super corny things like "jump at Jehoshaphat," you know, which is from Hannah. I love Hannah Barbera, so I'm always quoting Yogi Berra, not Yogi Berra millennials, <laughs> right? Um, or different kind of goofy things like that, um, and. The lately AI actually studies me, my organic writing first, and that's the baseline that it uses as the best practice. And then I created writing rules based on exactly how I write and I taught it to my staff. It's, and then the staff, um, optimizes what comes out of the AI. So they have to contextualize it, give it a little extra magical human oomph based on what I've told them to do. Right. So the AI is learning from that. And then we've actually taught all of our customers these same rules as well. So it's this, it's this massive kind of learning brain that's a combination. And again, I love this also of, of AI, which on its own is cold and humans, which on their own are slow, <laughs> but together, boom, right? Humans and technology making life happen. I'm big, big, big advocate for that um, in my life. So you're, you guys are the my, the front runner and my favorite. So I can't wait to see all of this come to fruition. It's already working, but I can't wait for it to uh, work even more. And with you at the helm, I know it will happen. Um, Thank you. And, or or at the soccer at the uh, at the goal, <laughs> at the goalie uh, watching the field and making sure that the energy is is being being displayed as as best as it can. Um, and um, you, my friend, are such a wonderful, wonderful, brilliantly loving, excited, excitable, smart person. I can't wait to see it all unfold. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us this week. If you love this episode, please subscribe. We love having subscribers just like you. Download a few more episodes. And if you feel moved, we would so appreciate a review. I'd love to also hear your key takeaway. What impacted you from this episode? You can tweet me your answer and reach out on Twitter at Brian Kramer. That's Brian with a Y, Kramer with a K. And definitely be sure to join us in our Facebook group. We have just under 3,000 humans just like you and me looking to connect even more imperfectly. Until next time.